Hi guys, my name is Amanda, and I'm the host of the true crime podcast, Psycho Soup. In an effort to spread awareness, I cover a wide variety of cases, some solved, and some regarding high-profile killers that are still on the run. So if you're looking for a true crime podcast that approaches cases from a factual standpoint, but also with an open mind, look no further. My mission is to use my podcast platform to help the families of these horrific crimes and to nail the bad guys. I try my best to explain their stories in a way that's easy to understand. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, please make sure you follow and subscribe to Psycho Soup on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your true crime podcasts. And remember, it's always a good time to listen to some true crime. The family of a local teenager says she never would have left home without calling. It's praying for the best. I want my daughter home, man. And if she can't come home, I just want to know where she's at. These posters around the towns of Livermore and Jay beg anyone with information to come forward. Posters that Richard puts up every spring, never losing hope. Tell me what happened to my daughter. Just just look me in the eyes and let me see her. An arrest in a nearly four-decade-old cold case thanks to cutting-edge DNA technology. The arrest happening exactly 39 years the day when Parabon Nanolabs used that sample to create 3D models of the suspected killer's face. It's heartbreaking. We miss her and we're going to find her. We're going to keep looking until we do. It's like a never-ending nightmare. It doesn't end. It keeps returning and coming back. What if I told you a teenage girl works her entire shift, goes home, eats dinner with her family, talks about the plans for the following day, which was Easter, but then is found an hour later dead on the side of the road. What if I said the police said it was a simple suicide, even though Paula Turkovich was a happy-go-lucky girl with a bright future? What if I said the police claim she drove an hour to the train station, took a train for almost a half an hour to get to the parking garage, went up six stories, and jumped to her death? Paula's mother, Kathleen, is demanding justice for her little girl. So tonight we're joined by Kathleen Turkovich. She's the mother of Paula Marie Turkovich, who died under uh, suspicious circumstances on March 31st, 2018 in Mineola, New York. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. So we're also joined by my wife, Danielle. Thank you. Her first time on Located and Lost. Hey guys. Well, no, you did do one episode with me. I did. I guess yes. This is my second time. You've the, called the discussion out. episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kathleen. Can you give us a little background um, about your daughter, Paula, and the kind of person she was and the child she was growing up? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Paula was um, my whole life. Paula was my sunshine. She was the most easy baby. <laughs> growing, you know, growing up, she would even take her own little blanket and bottle and tell mommy, "Mommy, it's time for me to go to bed." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she would actually take her own little bottle and blanket and the holes in it. She called it a, her holy blanket. And she would um, walk up the stairs and tell mommy, come up and tuck me into bed. And she was really an angel from God. Um, and growing up, she was a, a straight A honor student. Um, she was beautiful inside and out. Um, she never gave me a day of trouble in my life. Her father was a part-time lifeguard. Um, so he had signed her up and her older sister on a very competitive um, swim team in Farmingdale, New York. And they would, um, they would swim 
seven days a week, wow. three hours a day. And Paula, she was phenomenal. Um, she definitely would have gotten a full-on scholarship for her swimming alone, not only her academics, but um, she was a, a phenomenal uh, swimmer. She, her stroke was backstroke, and that is a tough one. Um, she would get in the water, <laughs> and she would fly, I mean, really fly across the water. And when she came out, she would always be in first place, and the guys that came out of the water would be like looking like who 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 is that girl that you know beat me i mean she had you know she was five eight 120 pounds all muscle and um she was really good uh like a dad you know he was a really good uh swimmer but uh yeah and uh, she loved women, she loved um, sports, and she loved writing. She had a, a passion for writing and reading. She wanted to be um, a journalist. Uh, she told me her dreams about how she wanted to become a journalist and wanted to attend the University of Florida in Jacksonville. Oh, wow. And uh, sure enough, she got accepted there, uh, you know, for her grades. And she was an honor student. Yeah, she got accepted there and she got accepted to Malloy and Adelphi. She got accepted to many colleges, but wow. her dream college was um, the University of Florida in Jacksonville and that's where she jumped to go and um, she would have she would have been really 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 uh, su uh, successful it sounds like and she had a lot of plans and she was structured and knew what she wanted though sounded like, right. like a really organized person that had a lot filling her life that was paula paula was very organized very uh she was one of a kind and not only that but she had a heart of gold and she was sweet and kind and compassionate and like if she had a lot of friends growing up but if she had a choice of going to, you know, in the lunchroom, going to a table full of all the popular, popular girls, so-called popular girls or whatever, and then there was one girl, and I've been told, you know, for a fact that this has happened by one girl who told me that, you know, she was by herself and eating alone. And Paula, instead of going with the girls that, you know, they said, hey, Paula, come over here. Paula went with the girl who was by herself and sat down and talked to her to make sure she was okay. She had the ability to um, practice compassion even in public, like where people could see it and stand up for what's right and not right that it just yeah. shows a lot about who she was right she cared about everybody a caring person right very did caring. she struggle with any negative emotions or was she generally a happy girl she was a very happy girl i mean she did lose her dad and i lost my husband um he was 43, um, and Paula at the time was 12. Um, it was in 2013, December 18th, 2013, 
we lost our husband. I lost my husband. They lost their father to GBM brain cancer. Mm. Um, so sorry. So that was really hard. Um, thank you. Yeah. We all took, you know, care of him. You know, every day we were there for him. Take, you know, we took care of him and. Um, he fought, he was strong, and a uh, great husband, a great dad. Um, very lucky to have him for as long as we've had him. We did have him, only 43 mm. years old. But, um, so Paula, that, you know, naturally was the toughest thing she ever had to go through. Yeah. Five years later, you know, that was in 2013. Um, and then she passed away in 2018. Hmm. Now, what's the age difference between Paula and her sister? Uh, four and a half years. I can't now, if believe. you wouldn't mind, um, can you yeah. go into the events leading up to the night that uh, she passed away? All right, so... Paula not only um, worked hard in school and, you know, she, you know, uh, women and everything she did in life, she worked hard at. And she worked in, um, in uh, a food store as a cashier. And that day, the day that she... She was murdered. Um, uh, she worked that day from 12. I have the schedule. I kept the schedule. On the schedule, it, it said from 12 o'clock until um, 7.30. Uh, but no, I'm sorry. 12 o'clock until 7 o'clock. Um, but Paula had gotten off a little bit earlier. Um, it was the night before Easter. And uh, so the food store was very crowded. Um, and Paula... Um, all right, so Paula worked and uh, it was uh, around 6.30. And Kathleen and I, you know, my, my other daughter, we would, mm -hmm. I was cooking dinner and I said, I'm going to go get Paula. And Kathleen said, no, I'll go get her. And I was cooking dinner. And um, so Kathleen left and picked Paula up. You know, God knows I, <laughs> I wish I would have went that night. Um. I would have gotten to talk to her, but I was making, I'll never forget, you know, I was making um, potato tots and uh, black bean burgers, and which Paula loved. And then uh, they stopped off at CVS, and then they stopped off at Dunkin' Donuts for, like, a, Paula had a small coffee. Kathleen said and um, then they came home and Paula um, she was like oh dinner looks good and um, she was eating some potato tots and you know she was saying um, she was going to have a, a black bean burger um and then I noticed that she was looking at the time a lot on the clock, uh, on the stove. And, you know, I she never really did that a lot, except for in the morning when she was getting ready for school. Right. You know, worrying about the time. You know, I would normally drive that For her to, to be looking at the time and aware of it. Yeah. And... Um, so that was, you know, that, that threw me off. And then 
it was a Saturday night, so normally, I mean, any other night, Paula would go, always had a ton of homework, you know, she was on the honor roll, so she would be in her room for like hours doing homework, homework. She would uh, spend hours, and, and I'm telling you, her writing, her writing was phenomenal. If you ever saw the way she wrote, she would have wrote probably a couple of books by now. Did Kathleen say anything about Paula's demeanor on the ride home, or did Paula... I know sisters usually will like, share secrets and things. Did she say anything to Kathleen about anything bothering her? Or? Um, she... I did ask, uh, I asked Kathleen that, and um, she was saying just that Paula was asking, um, what are we doing for Easter? Um, whose family are we going to? And, you know, seemed to be excited about Easter, and, you know, was in a pretty good mood. Mm. Um, yeah, well, so that's the question you know, Kathleen about that. That's important yeah. to note that she was looking for the future in the next few days and, and Easter the next day and what she was going to do because as the story right. unfolds, uh, that's an important uh, thing to keep in mind. And uh, there's something else that came up that too that showed that, you know, she was looking forward to the future um, which she did have a lot of good reasons um, to look forward to the future. Um, when she turned 18, and she had just turned 18 in February, um, her nephew is a model, and he was going to take her into Manhattan and show her around. And, you know, she was going to do modeling. Oh, wow. And she was really excited about that. Um, and she was coming into um, a good amount of money. She was really excited about that. And she was thinking about buying a car. Um, you know, she was learning to drive and she was driving awesome. She was driving great. Hmm. I mean, better than me now. <laughs> I mean, the way she drove. You know, and she had all these colleges that wanted her. So she had a lot to look forward to. Um, yeah, there's nothing that would indicate that she wasn't pleased with the way things were going in her life. Right, right. And, you know, not to say that she wasn't crazy about her dad, but it had been five years, and I saw the progress that she was making, you know, towards... Um, you know, with the future, talking about the future and uh, talking about going to college and having fun and, you know, and being excited about her future. Was and, her grief, um, oh, sorry, was her grief process difficult for her? Like, was that something that was difficult for her to work through, even though she was successful? Is there any... Um, difficulty moving past the loss of her father and and pouring that into success you know what i mean like did she have trouble with that uh, outside of like normal range of grief um, i think she used her father as a well like he would always um tell bedtime stories from the time she was little you know, until up until forever. Whether they were true stories about like his camping trips, or, you know, he's a, uh, an Eagle Scout. Um, he would, uh, you know, and he was a, a swimmer. And I think she would use like what he taught her. Um, to make herself feel better, you know, like with the, um, you know, as far as like the writing, 
you know, the writing was a way of um, her expressing herself. She so she had coping. She get a pen, and write, that could write. help her through that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think she was um, using it in a positive way. Um, her feelings of losing her father, and you know, if you had, you know, if you could see some of the stories that she wrote, they were unbelievable. Um, and you know, she did, um, you know, you know, from her dad, she um, oh, using that experience to create stories or or be productive with the grief by like turning it into something meaningful or, or entertaining or whatever. Right. 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 And, um, yeah, he would, she would love that, how he would tell stories and, you know, um, and then she would do the same with the pen and the writing and, (laughs) But like when I would read her, you know, her reading, I couldn't even, I mean, know half of the vocabulary and I was pretty good at vocabulary. And I mean, um, I was like fascinated by her writing. Mm. Um, yeah, really smart, very mm. smart girl. And, um, but yeah, so that night she did ask me, Ma, can I go to a friend's house? And I was like, hesitant, hesitant, because I loved all her friends. Um, you know, before we lived um, in Suffolk County, we lived in Nassau County. And it, like in Nassau County, it was like, we were the place to go. We were the the house to go to where everybody nice. came over and had a good time you know I had all you know all the kids would come safe we place all drunk food and you know what you know and Paula would have all her girlfriends over um but anyway um and I loved all her girlfriends and but this one particular girl um I don't know I you know, she was more of a, a acquaintance, not not so much a friend, I think. So Paula was gonna go over to her friend's house, so-called friend. I don't know how great of a friend they were, friends they were that night. And what time was that? Um, and I said to Paula, I would drive her, and she said, No, I can go and. I'm not going to be gone long. And then um, Kathleen, her older sister, offered to drive too, but she didn't want her to drive her either. Ah. So unfortunately, I let it go. Um, yeah. And, what time of night um, was that, Kathleen? Yeah, that was my... That was the night she got murdered. And what, what time did she leave the house? She leave. Like normally, we had a window in that home that we lived in, and I would always look out that window when, if either of the girls left, I always, always did. And that one night, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah. Um, you know. I, I don't know. I I feel like maybe they could have been in the car um, because Paula died so shortly after she left the home. Uh, she was pronounced dead eight, at 8.31 p.m. And she left the house a little bit after 7:30 p.m. Wow. So um, she so she got in a vehicle with somebody yeah. else. Somebody picked her up. No, she took my car. Oh, okay. 
um, Chijo, my car. You know, it it was local. It was in Farmanville, which was like not even a ten minute ride. Um, and it, you know, it was light out. She had a learner's permit, but still, God knows. Um, yeah, Kathleen, I have so many Kathleen, regrets. Are you okay? Because I feel I'm sorry, Travis, to interrupt. I just feel like kind of telling this story is kind of bringing it back in a way that's impacting you. So I'm just checking in to see. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Because that means a lot to me to like stop and give you a minute because it's going to bring up stuff. So. It always does. Thank you. I mean, I live it morning, noon, and night. I wake up and I think, you know, how can I not going to be able, you know, how am I not going to be able to see her again? But I have a very, very strong belief in God. I thank my mother and my father for that. You know, my, I lost my mom and my dad too to cancer. And, um, they had a very, very, um, they believed in God. Um, and I have a lot of faith in God. And if I didn't, <laughs> I couldn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, with my faith in God, I could, I know Paula, um, one day I will, well, when my time, when it's my time, I will, I will be back with her. You know, um, I have a job, whatever it is, <laughs> I have no idea, but, um, yeah, so, yeah, that night, um, unfortunately, um, she went to the girl's house and the girl, um, never contacted me to say that she didn't, that Paul didn't get there. Um, and then the girl also never contacted me again. Um, unfortunately, I had some words with the mom, but I, I was very shocked because if that was Paula and that was the other way around, Paula would be at the door the next day. Um, you know, explaining, I mean, talking to the mom like what there would have been a sense of urgency around figuring it out she was supposed to come to my house she didn't show up I feel it's an obligation to call her mother but they didn't do that no yeah right which is suspicious that's that's odd yeah yeah. for sure and they never you know came over and said they were sorry you know I mean the mom was like, um, she tried to touch you at the wake. There's a million people there. I mean, <laughs> you know, but I meant to come over and talk to me personally. You know, like, what do you think happened? Right. You know? Right. In a private setting. But um, the weird part to me, I mean, the real suspicious part to me, was the fact that right then and there, the, you know, unfortunately the police um, said it was a uh, suicide and they closed out the case immediately. Um, That night, um, they closed it out um, and I was like shocked because you know, they said that she jumped from the um, the sixth floor of the um, of the medical pavilion uh, parking garage of 200 Old Country Road in Mineola. And was her car in the parking garage? No, 
No, um, the the car it was actually my car. I still have it. They never impounded it. They never did anything with it, um, hmm. which bothers me too. Um, it was found at um, a railroad station in Ronkonkoma. Far um, away from the parking garage was that vehicle, and it was. It was in um, in Suffolk County, and her body was found in Nassau County. So, so the police surmised that she drove her car somewhere else, walked to the parking garage, went up to the sixth floor, and, and jumped off. Took the train. Took the train to the parking garage. That's what they believe. Yeah, they. They said that she took the car to the railroad, parked the car illegally, which Paula never would do illegally anything. Um, and then she went on the train, got off at Mineola, went to the sixth floor of the parking pavilion, and jumped off the roof. Did she have... Uh, train ticket? Did they prove that she purchased a train ticket? Was there any cameras at the train, train station showing her get on the train at all? They never looked. Okay. And I don't know if she... Um, um, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know if she had a train ticket. I... I strongly believe as a mother she was killed here. And they put her body in the car and drove her across the border and put her body there to look, to make it look like she jumped. I mean, so that was my, it, that's what keeps playing in my head. Right. But Do we know? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. I just, I, I, your, your question was to show that, you know, they, they've never substantiated that theory. And if she had a ticket on her, or if there was proof in cameras, then, right, you know, so if they don't have, that's just more of a concern because there's nothing to back that theory up. It's lazy. And, and who feels like it? And, and who found her body? Yeah. Um, a, but, um, they told me that a woman, um, that was driving by, uh, called in to say that a that a teenage uh, a teenager was lying in the road where this happened um, it, um, they said it happened you know 200 Oak Country Road is a very busy busy area it's by two big hospitals um, uh, Winthrop which is now Northwell very well known hospitals um and it was 7 30 and not one person saw her or camera, camera would have caught that or the timeline oh, to I asked the to drive somewhere else and take a train oh true yep that's a good point that is point the timeline's really restricted <laughs> Yeah, right. And I asked the, you know, very, the timeline now. That's why I think they got to hear. I asked the, the uh, detective, do you have footage of my daughter? And um, he said, no. Um, he told me that my daughter blocked the no he said that your daughter set off the alarm and blocked the camera on top of the of the, the what alarm was he no, talking he about he didn't say that she pulled it he i that uh, i <laughs> i was dumbfounded i was like what he 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 um just said oh she um, set off the alarm. He never, you know, explained how she set off the alarm. 
And um, and she set off the alarm and she blocked the camera so they could never get a, a clear picture. No, they could never get any picture of her. But why would she do that if she's, um, you know, they allege that she committed suicide. Why would she block the camera? That doesn't make any sense. The whole thing right, is like a person, a person that's bullshit. not in sound mind enough to, uh, okay. obviously not their own life, but she's in sound mind enough to block a camera. Like the best I can come up with is a, is a, an awareness that she wouldn't want family to see it. But even that, that would indicate some form of being present of mind and not in a state of escalation or, or you know, a, a dip that took right. place in a matter of an hour. Did, did the uh, PD take any photos of the scene? They told me um, I haven't, I have not yet seen one picture. Um, I'm going to try again to send away for the FOIA, the FOIA, uh, you know, to get yeah, FOIA the whole request. package of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but they told me, I said, do you have, when he answered to me, when he answered that question like that, you know, I said, do you have any footage of my daughter? And he said, Mrs. Turkovich, would you like to see your daughter splattered on the ground? <gasps> and Sorry. I was very like, what? Like, that's my baby girl. Like, how would you like it if someone spoke to your daughter, spoke to you about your daughter like that? Meanwhile, my daughter was not flattered. We had an open casket. She looked beautiful. Her body was completely intact. Her head was on, you know, we had, um, we had a complete, um, open casket. Um, so I, whatever made them say that, so I don't know what would make him say that. Body was intact, like no broken bones that would have happened as a part of impact. They, the course of her death on her autopsy was blunt force trauma. Um blunt force trauma usually I mean I spoke to a retired detective he's homey with all his homicide cases every one of them have the cause of death is a blunt force trauma um and you know I hate to you know I that usually means that they're battered or you know did they say how she landed? Was she face down or was she face up when she landed? Did she land on her back or the front? Did they say? They said that, um, I believe on her, on her back, but then she, it was like she was in a fetal position when they found her. Nothing like made clear sense like everything they told me i felt like was like a lie like you know i also um i never got to identify her body the night she died and i i never understood that you know i they never let me come to identify paula's body so then who identified her? Um, if it was an unattended nobody. death, they have to have someone there to... Until the next day. Identify her. I mean, that whole night, nobody... It, um, it happened at, you know, 7.30... Um, 8.31, I'm sorry. 8.31 p.m. at night. She passed on. And then I didn't get to see her until the next morning. Um, and she was behind a glass window. Um, 
and she looked beautiful. I mean, she looked beautiful. Um, so that tells me that she didn't. Uh, I did notice though that they hosed her down. It looked like her hair was like pushed back, like they took a hose and they hosed her body down. And then like, um, like threw a dress on her. Um, like a gown? Further back behind the glass window. But I never got to identify her body, you know, like in the morgue. And when I asked the, the uh, detective why that was, he said that he kind of laughed and said, You've been watching too many movies. What the fuck? Sorry. Oh, so, he, so he dismissed it as as an assumption because of Hollywood representation rather than explaining to you what actual law is if that's the case. He was dismissive. Yeah. Kathleen, uh, if you were to get in your vehicle now and drive to that train station, how long would that take you? 45. If I went um, 40, 45 minutes to an hour. So 45, we'll call it 45 minutes. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. 45 minutes to get there. Buy a train ticket. Turn around and take the train back to the location of the um, parking garage. How long is that trip, do you think? Well, the train would be like a half hour. Um, okay. But it, 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 the time doesn't add up. Right. Like it would you take a lot longer. Mean? Now, first I was told, um, okay, when I asked if there were witnesses, first the detective told me that there was one detective. Uh, one, I'm sorry, God help me. There, I'm, so, I'm sorry. There was one witness that saw her, my daughter Paula, running yelling and screaming uh, okay and and then i said can i please talk to him and then the detective told me no and he changed it to there were several witnesses i'm like Did they say you said there was one and now you're saying there are several. Did they say what she was yelling or what she was saying? Witnesses. They said they couldn't make it out and that she was yelling and screaming. I mean, she could have been yelling and screaming for help. I mean, <laughs> that hmm. was so important. And how could they not know what she was yelling and screaming? Um. And then he tells me, oh, no, that's not right. Now it's seven witnesses. No longer is there one witness, but there are several. I'm like, can you please tell me, is it one? Is there several? Can I talk to any of them? And then he's like, um, there were several. And no, you cannot talk to any of them. Um... Now, I recently, I mean, just a, not that long ago, heard from my older daughter that she um, was told that there were a couple of nurses that saw Paula. And I said, well, well what did they see? And she didn't know. She said she didn't know. The, the, the detective didn't tell her what they saw. I mean, did they see her on was the she, building? Did they see her running? Did they see was her she alone? laying on the ground? What did they see? Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, that, these are vital um, questions. And... You know, and then even Paula's good friend went um, to the rooftop 
and made a uh, TikTok out of it and showed that it was impossible that Paula could have blocked the cameras because they were up so high. And Paula was 5'8", 120 pounds. I mean, there's right. no way. Logistically, just why are you asking me to believe that <laughs> is what I would say. It just doesn't compute. So what the police department like to have you believe is that your daughter left your house around 7.30. Within an hour, she had driven 45 minutes to an hour to a train station, taken a train oh, 15 minutes to a half hour to a parking garage, went up six levels of the parking garage, jumped off the parking garage, and passed away all within an hour. After blocking off a camera that was too high for her. Mm-hmm. And we believe she may have landed on her back, which I suicide people who are going to commit suicide don't jump backwards. They, they jump forward. So I find it hard to believe that she landed on her back. Like that's either there's two scenarios in my head is either she was thrown off, you know, and I don't, I know it's hard to hear and everything, or she, she never went up to the top of the parking garage. Like they exactly. dumped her body there. You said also, and you sent me some pictures, and I'll show them here f for the, the audience as well, but her clothes had a bunch of stains on them, mud and grass stains on them, uh, blood stains on her cloth clothing as well. Uh, was That's the same clothing that she had on when she left the, the um, grocery store that day? Or had she yeah. changed when she got home? It's weird, though. She had um, a black Adidas sweatshirt on, too. When she left, um, now, the, now this is really hard to believe. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, um, the medical coroner. Um, had said she was told by the police to wash wash in the wa washing machine the sweatshirt what yeah no reason why just and did she find that weird or he or she did they find that weird to for that Without request to be made? Checking for evidence that would have been pulled from it? Pictures of it? I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. Like, that would be all the evidence right there. Like, blood. Um, you know, why? Unless they were doing something they weren't, so, you know? I, I, um, I've been sick physically, you know, mm. from this, you know, from the time my daughter has been gone because I, you know, you hearing this type of information, um, is like beyond, beyond. Yeah, it's surreal. It's surreal and probably feels it every time it comes out of your mouth or you hear someone say it. It just is not, I can't imagine you are experiencing an episode of Law & Order. Yeah. That's probably how it feels, just surreal. Right, definitely. I, I mean, I grew up as a little girl loving policemen. My dad is, uh, you know, a, um, he was a policeman. Uh, uh, you know, he, if he, God, I wish he was here now. You know, he passed away. But my God in heaven, he would not, this would not be going on. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know what they've done, but they, something, is terribly wrong.
they went went terribly wrong. And uh, yeah, this is unreal. Mm, yeah, and God knows, I just want justice for my daughter, and I want to know what happened, what really happened to her that night. I mean. Uh, the most painful horrible I I'm a totally different person I it's um a living nightmare mm. yeah and I know that like she had to be you know chased and I know she fought for her life you know she was a fighter uh, too, and Did, they never checked underneath the fingernails. I was going to ask that. Yeah, but they, they never did. They did a uh, full autopsy, right? Because any unattended death, they have to do an autopsy. So, isn't that part of the autopsy too? Is checking for things like that? Right. I mean, I've, I've probably seen too many. And who she was with why she would be so distressed that she would act this way um you know what would take her out of character in a matter of 60 minutes to to do this like you would think that that would be a motivating question for getting stuff from under the fingernails or you know unfortunately you know maybe even swabs that might indicate she had a dispute with a a partner or something that led you know yeah. nothing she didn't even date. I mean, she never even started dating yet. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, she was so into her studies and she wasn't even dating dating anyone. Um, but, you know, do you have any. Do. So, because her sister's four years older, I was just wondering has she heard any rumors about why anyone would want to hurt Paula? Does she have any idea? Um, no, she, I mean, she hasn't, I, I think right now she's, um, in so much, uh, trauma, you know, losing a dad and then losing Paula. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think she knows i mean she don't seem to know um you when we had talked earlier um prior to this conversation you had mentioned that there was a, a girl that was harassing her or something somebody else that had worked at the grocery store is this the girl that you said was she had gone to visit that night um no that was another girl i mean um, there was a girl at work that, you know, um, was constantly coming in, in the store and harassing her, bullying her. I think they didn't like her. She was a very pretty girl and, uh, very jealous of Paula, um, you know, and her manager did not do anything to intervene and... You know, I, I'm very upset with the store as well. They didn't put up any cameras, you know. I, I mean, they didn't look into any of the cameras that day. I wanted to see if anyone had, co had come into the store, particularly on Paula's line. Uh, and maybe, maybe they said something to Paula and to, right, you know, and got her to go somewhere yeah. that night, you yeah. know. They came on her line at work, right. if possible, and and tried to get her to, um, you know, lure her to go come to wherever they wanted to get her to kill her. And I don't, I, I mean. I'm just so frustrated because of the lack of, you know, not having any 
not there's nothing having information answers yeah well there's so many questions too that it seems like nothing makes sense to me when i first read about paula's story i had seen you had posted on a facebook group uh, about missing and unsolved murders and you had mentioned your your daughter's case on there and when i read it i my first thought was well she's just a mom that doesn't want to accept the truth but then when you hear this story that's unbelievable that the police would even say that she committed suicide yeah it doesn't make sense right have you yeah have you spoken to a lawyer or anything about this case no i haven't i want to um i you know unfortunately um you know um, you know, I'm going through tough times, but I maybe, if I can get someone to work with me, you know, I would love that. Um, but I do need, I need guidance. I, um, I'm lost as to, you know, I don't know. I don't, I know that that night something really evil happened and god knows she didn't deserve what whatever happened to her um she didn't deserve it and all i want to know is what happened and um i would do anything yeah anything to know. I mean, it was my baby. <laughs> um, well, you deserve answers. And I know and... she didn't take a light. She had a, a lot to live for. She was beautiful, intelligent, could go to any college, um, you know, had money coming to her, you know, a lot of money coming to her to buy a new car, to do whatever. Um, she had the whole world at her feet. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know why, you know, it was closed out the case so quickly. And, um, you know, I heard that the one cop that did arrive to the scene, he, uh, didn't do a full investigation. They didn't check under the fingernails at that time. And, you know, and on in the autopsy report that when I read Paula it showed on when I read it that Paula did fight back you know because on her hands there were scratches on her top so part of her hand uh, on defensive her hands wounds that showed that she fought back yeah and her you know, if you read her autopsy report, which I have, naturally, it showed that she, on her hands and everything, that, that there were scratch marks and all that, showing that she fought back. Hmm. Yeah. The, the whole thing is unbelievable. And how they could come up with, with that outcome of, of what happened to her is just ridiculous. I mean, you don't have to be a private investigator to understand that this whole thing makes no sense right right no you absolutely don't you just have to be able to put together a timeline and see that it doesn't match up and that none no. of the match up to no. so what's the next step is it hire a private detective to do the work mm -hmm. yes i would have to do that get get the FOIA request for every piece of evidence they have in the file for Paula's case if it's not a, they're saying it's not a criminal case so there should be no issue why they can't give you everything in that file right right so and get the FOIA request too. get the FOIA request done get the file and then get yourself either a lawyer or investigator to to dig deeper into this and put some pressure on them uh, visit with a district attorney as well say this is my daughter's case explain to him just what you explained to us here like there's no way the timeline doesn't make any sense clearly 
she never, I don't believe she ever went to the train station, took a train and went to the other spot, right? I think that the reason why her car was at the train station was whoever most likely killed her, took her car and left it there, then took the train back to wherever they need to go to get close to home. And, and I kind of feel compelled to um, suggest or even offer to look up um, legal outfits that would do this pro bono or somebody, a retired or a law professor, somebody that could just navigate it for you and give you advice so that you didn't feel, you know, lost in this. I mean, at, at the very least... Um, I, I'm sure it could come down to at least holding the police station and, and anybody involved accountable for, um, I, I don't know if it'd be malpractice in their field, but something that wasn't properly negligence, but you know, someone needs to be held accountable. It's not as easy as hearing, you know, those answers and we're going to move on. No, you're either going to answer the an questions or you're going to answer to why you can't answer the questions because you didn't do your job. Mm -hmm. Right. What two options here? I would also start collecting names of uh, the people that she was friends with at school because if they're 17, 18 year old kids, they're going to talk. Somebody's heard either a rumor and if it's multiple people here in the same rumor that kind of substantiates a little more, maybe at least get a name to who may be involved. Um, but yeah, you, you so definitely an understanding of the social circle too, and what could have been going on to lead to conflict or if she had mentioned something that, you know, maybe she did venture into something or stumble upon something that wasn't part of her norm. And, you know, she could have been a victim of circumstance or, you know, made even the slightest wrong decision to help somebody and then that put her in the wrong wrong place at the wrong time. But there's got to be something. It's just so random that, um, yeah, something has to be brought to light to understand it. Right. Right. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so yes, much Kathleen. for your tonight. And, and I'm going to continue talking to you. And if, you know, I'm no expert by any means, but I can certainly try to assist you as much as possible, try to help you um, get the answers you're looking for and help uh, maybe give you some sort of direction like you had asked for. Yeah. Or even just support to know that it's, it's okay and valid and legitimate to want the truth. Right. That's so all I want, you know, I want to know what happened to her, and know, um, lying, lying in bed and seeing her face and asking God why, what happened, you know, it's uh, every mother's nightmare. Of course, yeah. my it's just breaking, breaking, yeah. I don't. yourself getting any support for the grief process or support groups or anything? Uh, my support is God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that's the almighty ultimate. Absolutely. But he yeah. did call it fellowship too. So that might be something to consider so that you're not feeling isolated, you know, and, and at risk of believing what those officers and that think think which is that this can go away you know what I mean right well, thank you mm -hmm. yes Kathleen thank you so much and hopefully as people hear this story and, and the BS that happened um, more people pick this story up and more podcasts will cover it more news articles be written about it apply some pressure to Mineola Police Department are they the ones that are in charge of the case or the they're not even calling the case, I guess, but right. The um the first precinct in Mineola. Okay. All right. Kathleen, you try to have a good night. Um we really appreciate you sharing Thank you. Paula's story with us. Uh we wish you the best of luck and hope that you get answers very soon. It's very nice God to bless you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kathleen, may I pray over you, please? 
please do. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this time that you've brought us together to talk about your child who's gone to be home with you. And we don't know what the circumstances were and we don't know what your will was behind it, but we trust that it was good and we trust that we will understand someday. I ask that you lift Kathleen in safety of mind, heart, and soul when it comes to this so that she is not overwhelmed, but paces herself through whatever task you've written for her. Thank you so much for her strength. Thank you for the time she's given us so that we can be compassionate and learn to be more in tune with other people's pain so that we help and reach out and love. We thank you so much for everything you give to us and we lift your name in praise. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. So much. Kathleen. Kathleen, thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Kathleen asked me to relay the following. In Paula's so-called suicide letter, which I believe she was forced to write, but was so intelligent, she rewrote a quote and underlined it. The quote was from a book called Reconstructing Amelia by Kimberly McCright. In the story, the mom gets a call from her daughter's school saying her daughter Amelia jumped from a building, but in fact she never did jump. Someone murdered Amelia. They lured Amelia to the top of the building and she was pushed to her death. This is what Paula wanted everyone to know. We thank you for watching. Please follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. For five-year-old Taylor, Taylor Williams led investigators to Alabama this week. So we have some breaking news from Florida. An arrest has been made. Tonight, after years of agony, a glimmer of hope for the family. Investigators spent hours searching through this house off Pennsylvania Avenue. What could be a major development in the search for missing Alabama teenager. Tonight, a stunning twist in the search for Taylor. Somebody out there knows something. They want to lay him to rest their way, not by somebody else's way.